two ornate stairwells, a movie podcast. I'm Autumn. I'm joined as always by Neve. Hi, I'm Neve. And you you said it pretty well that time. Did you I? Get, you, yeah, you got the. Little I thing. thought I fucked it up that time. No, you got a little bit of a little. Well, I went. I the I did the mh as a more of an f than a v. I felt like. Yeah, but really, it's a buzzing thing. Okay. Anyway. Um, the big thing is the lilt. That's the thing that everyone fucks up. Did, I think the one person who I've heard say my name on like recordings and stuff who has consistently got it the best is M. Mm-hmm. Oh God. M, you still fuck it up sometimes, but they roasted your ass on, um, uh, Gotham, Gotham. today. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I just th- have to wait <laughs> to hear it now. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> now I just have to sit here knowing that my ass has been roasted. Everyone's listened to has listened to it for like a day now. <laughs> um Um Oh, the, the thing I was gonna say. Um I I have accepted that like I will get your name like pronounce it correctly like fifty percent of the time. Like yeah. I've accepted that. The one that shook me is that I thought I've been saying Juo correctly. <laughs> And then he's like, no. And I was like, wait, what have I been doing wrong? <laughs> Juo. Juo. We, we do the Midwestern <laughs> thing where we like always do it. We always go like, Juo. Okay. Ooh. We do like an ooh and it's just, okay. oh, it's just, oh. Okay. Throughout. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that just, that shook my confidence. I was like, ah, you know, sometimes I'm going to fuck up Nia's name. It's, yeah. it's, it's not ideal, I but I've just accepted like I it. I fuck up. Joe's name all the time. I I thought I had his name right, and when he said I didn't, I, it shook me to my core. Yeah. I was like, "Am I pronouncing anything right? <laughs> Do I know how to speak English?" <laughs> um, well, I guess that's not an English name, but anyway, yeah. I watched so many movies this week, guys. Yeah, I watched Star Trek's The Next Generation season three, episode seventeen. I watched Star Trek The Next Generation Season 3, Episode 18. <laughs> I watched... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I read manga and I watched Star Trek, which, as I talked about last time, I'm just enjoying because they're not things I have to talk about on podcasts. The, movie, the mood to watch movies will hit me again. Once, Just like last time, there were moments where I thought about watching movies. I, I would enjoy watching a movie. I just have had other things that I'm more focused on. So yeah, I got nothing, unfortunately. Um, I also basically had nothing until today, mm-hmm. uh, because the inhaler, I still have two weeks of this inhaler. That's basically doing nothing. It's like at most doing 20% of what it needs to do at most. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still a think better than when I just don't have an inhaler, but it's not great. I am tired all the time. I've taken so many naps during my lunches this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to bed early or I just sit there being tired and then being like, why didn't I go to bed earlier? Um, but I did read like a couple chapters of Berserk. I read like maybe two volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started Persona 2. I'm not really going to talk about it other than like, I mean, right now it's the main character who's just a JRPG main character, like not really any personality. Has a little bit, 
I think compared to some Persona ones, but uh, especially because you'll you'll get the other side when you. The thing that's cool about Persona Persona Two is that you play kind of a like silent protagonist, and then this girl named Maya joins the party later, mm-hmm. and then you go to Eternal Punishment and you play as her, and then the other protagonist is a character in it. Huh. Um. And so, like, both of them, like, get characterized in a way that hmm. lots of other ones don't do. But anyway, Lisa's there. I fucking love Lisa. Um, she's fucking great. Part of why Chie is great is because she's kind of Lisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chie is also fucking great. Um, and Michelle is just, like, uh, have you seen any of these characters? No. So the whole thing I with... know the lady with the weird boobs on the cover. Um, so Lisa Silverman is... Uh, this girl who you've probably seen. Oh, I've seen her online. Um, yeah. And so she, her dad's just like fully American, but, uh, just really believes in Japan, um, in a way that's like commented on as him being like weirdly archaic for Japan Uh because he's just some Westerner who like watched too many Jidaigeki and thought it was really cool and (laughs) is probably a weird sicko right winger. Yeah. Honestly. Um, but, and I think her, like, mom is Chinese or something. Mm-hmm. She, she speaks Cantonese, uh, as well as Japanese. And so, like, some of her text is infused with Cantonese phrases. Um, but she's great. Uh, I love her. Um, and then Michelle, I just have to show you this, because he's just, like, what I want from a fucking, like, what Bond show guy. Yeah. Like he's like kind of a, a like delinquent punk, mm-hmm. but he's just got this like sense of fashion and style where, um, like, I don't think he's canonically gay. There is actual like a canonical gay relationship that can happen in it. Um, it doesn't all like the player has some agency over whether or not it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a character in it who is gay mm-hmm. uh, in persona Two, Michelle, is not this. Um, However, Michelle is gay. <laughs> but yeah, he, he he has like massive queer vibes at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, I could also see like trans man swag here. He's wearing a skirt in most of these photos. Yeah. Like I think it's like a, a shirt that he has under that's like really like going out below his school uh-huh. uniform. But it is also he's just wearing a skirt and he's yeah. great. I love him. He does these goofy faces. It's just a good fucking game. Anyway, I'll probably... I might talk about it more later, or maybe I'll come up on Pondering Bhutan as I play more. Yeah. But right now I'm just like, yeah, I love these fucking guys. Well, tell me about the movies you watched today. So the two movies that I watched today, um, I was still kind of busy today, but I was just tired, and so I ended up probably slacking a little bit and putting on some movies, because uh, I was just fucking tired. Yeah. Um, and... The first one I watched was Slumber Party Massacre 2. Um, I have not seen the first one. I have read a little bit about the first one. And so I know like the trilogy is kind of like a like feminist slashers, quote unquote. Um, they're like all I think all. Maybe not all, but like primarily written and directed by women. Um, and Slumber Party Massacre 2 is a like direct sequel to one 
Um, the one thing that was useful for me to look up and just confirm is that the main character of two is like the girl who survives one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so two thirds of this movie, I would say is her, it starts with her like having dreams when she goes to sleep, um, of not the, not the actual killer from the previous movie, but kind of in the same vein. Uh, so like, I know at least one of the murders in the first movie happens with a drill. Uh, this guy's just like a rockabilly kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has an electric guitar with a giant drill on the end of it. Um, and so the first movie like is mostly just girls like going on a road trip to a slumber party. Um, and that's primarily, you know, they're just talking about boys and they, uh, take off their shirts and get into a pillow fight, that kind of stuff. But it's interspersed with her having dreams of horrible things happening that are, some of them are like direct flashbacks or references to things that happened in the, the first movie. Some of them is like new stuff. Um, and then also she starts to hallucinate like with other people around that horrible stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody really believes her when she's like almost like metatextually aware that she is in a horror movie. And if they have sex, that means they're going to die. She's, okay. She seems to like have anxiety around if we go all the way, mm-hmm. then we die. Yeah. I'm, I have like, I'm having dreams and intrusions into, I'm a character, but people being like, don't you know the tropes of this genre? If you have sex, you will get murdered is intruding into my consciousness as a character as like weird hallucinations and dreams being like, don't go, don't go all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you just get a lot of like ridiculous, uh, like gory special effects. Um, like there's one where there's this one girl who, um, just keeps being like, oh, I can just like feel this pimple forming. Like you can't see it yet, but I can feel it. Um, and then there's one where she like feels like it's finally there and she's like, come look. And it's like, you know, kind of a normal. And then it's just like every time it cuts back, it's like more and more of her face becoming like, <laughs> uh, subsumed by like weird gore stuff on it. And mm-hmm. then it's just like shooting pus on the main girl and things. Right. Um, and then of course that's like a hallucination. And then the final third is that seemingly maybe she's hallucinating all of this the the serial killer that she's been hallucinating or dreaming about actually comes and starts killing people because uh she finally decided people convinced her that it, it she is it's just in her head and it's okay mm-hmm. and so she decided to have sex with her boyfriend mm-hmm. it's her first time she's a virgin um and then immediately just serial killer comes and starts killing everyone <laughs> um and it's one of those where it's like the special effects are fun. Um, it's not like Black Christmas. Mm. Uh, I think it gave it like three stars. Oh, I should put Ricky O is, on my letterbox. It is also just like really, uh, it's really plain. So also because he has this drill on the end of a, a electric guitar, he'll just like stab people with it. And so you just repeatedly see like the drill phallically bursting out of people's chests or like entering into bodies. The drill is just very obviously like a Freudian penis. That's just like penetrating right. everyone. Um, it's just so plainly about like 
people don't listen to women who who are like having traumatic experiences and trying to talk about them. Right. Um, and then once women are just convinced that they are like, uh, seeing nothing or that it doesn't matter, then like, it just opens up the, the like space for more, you know, gendered violence against them. Right. Um, but in a way that's just a schlocky horror movie. But it's so obvious what it is. But also it's fun because mm-hmm. whenever he's going to kill people, he like sings full. There's like musical numbers he performs while he's killing people, which is just <laughs> great. More movies need to have the slasher villain perform musical numbers as they kill people. <laughs> um, and I give it for a D for stairs. So the main stairwell throughout it is uh, they go to like a suburban home, which I so I think like one of the girls is moving in with her dad at like a new home that they just bought. And so most of the house isn't even like, it's like still in boxes when they get there. Uh, but they're going first and the dad's going to come later. Um, and so they're having this slumber party where they're getting drunk and having boys over and stuff. Um, and it's like a suburban home. So there's this one staircase, uh, and there's like a part, like she'll run down it multiple times being like, ah, oh. and the part where like, finally the like killer is killing people. She runs down and, you know, kind of like boy who cried wolf thing mm-hmm. where no, no, nobody like immediately takes it seriously and then sees that she's just covered in blood because her boyfriend just got murdered or whatever. Right. Uh, and they're like, ah, oh. and then like the murderer comes down the stairs, but it's suburban family. Oh, like I did, yeah. a, I did a D like, yeah. in that. and then there's a part where they're running through like a unfinished house. Cause they're just in, it must be like a new part where they're building homes mm-hmm. and they've just bought one. And I feel like they're running up and down some stairs, but it's all just like wooden frame, you yeah. know, like building a house. And I don't really remember any of them. Yeah. And there's not like a good super menacing or whatever. Um, I mean, it was fun. Um, sounds all right. Yeah. And then, um, after that, I was like, man, that was just some like real dumb Schlockfest stuff. And I know we're watching Rikio. So I want to do something that's going to be a little bit more serious. So I went to Criterion and I'm kind of interested in this like Hollywood Chinese collection. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched the documentary on it yet, but I might, uh, but it's kind of based around that documentary and then like the person who made it, um, they also got in like a bunch of the movies that I think he, he huh. talks about in it. Um, nice. And at first I clicked on one. There was a Western and it was like noted for being really early, but the main characters like, or not one of the main characters, but one of the characters is a Chinese woman, but is kind of not what you normally expect from them at this time period in a Hollywood movies where she's kind of working class and like talks back and mm-hmm. um, is kind of, like gruff and stuff like that. And I was like, that sounds fun. And I started watching it and it was just like an old Western with like, not yeah. that great of like, it was like definitely a budget Western. It doesn't even have like the John Ford has like a still has like a skill and charm to it. Yeah. That this wasn't hitting. And so like the first five minutes or 10 minutes, I was just like, eh. like I didn't got into like, that character yet i didn't yeah. care about these people yeah um the audio wasn't the best so i couldn't like fully focus while i was writing and stuff um and so i backed out and i was like mm. there's this other one that briefly caught my eye just because i saw that it was like a neo-noir or something um it was called uh chan is missing 
I have heard of this movie. It's been on my like to watch list for a while. It yeah. sounds good. Um, and I was just like, it had the energy of, um, I feel like they're like, I kind of thought of like early Spike Lee stuff too, where like we watched, she's got to have it. And I mean, some, some of these people are probably like studying acting Mm. or something, but it's not like these are big actors Yeah, in part because they're casting a bunch of like basically everybody in this movie that you see screen time Mm -hmm. at all is Chinese. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these people probably did not have, uh, we're not in big roles, right? You know, they weren't getting the opportunity, even if they had some acting chops, some of the acting in this is good. Some of it is a little bit more like, Oh, this is just like your friend and it's fine. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, it has that same feeling where like sometimes it's not a documentary, but sometimes it feels a little bit because it is just like we, we pointed at a camera and we're just talking and we've got like, it's all from one angle. That's and how we're kind of just improving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but some of the banter is just great. There's just like exchanges that they're having around like, you know, eating at a table and stuff where it's like some of it isn't even fully progressing like the plot, but I think is getting to what the core thesis of this movie seems to be. So the, the basic like overarching plot is that there's this man, uh, Chan or I can't do the like full, Mm -hmm. uh, correct pronunciation, but it's more like Chen, Mm -hmm. um, who is missing Mm -hmm. the, uh, they talk to like one person who's like, yeah, you're supposed to show up in court a week ago. We haven't been able to find him. Um, and it's around some like traffic stop. Um, and so they're just trying to investigate where did he go and figure out what happened to him basically. Uh, and it's just like his friends basically. Right. Um, and there's this part early on where, uh, it's, I think it might be like the lawyer or something. But so she's talking about like she's doing here's the last thing that that I knew, which was like, here's the traffic stopping and and everything and why this ended up being a thing that went to court, which is that and she's like starts talking about like there not only do like Chinese and English have different grammatical forms, Mm -hmm. but also like the modes of speaking, the like thought processes that are encoded in those languages are different and especially in these roles too, the police officer, English is like a very like action oriented language. Mm-hmm. Uh, verbs are really key in English. Mm-hmm. And he is asking a question. He asked the question, you know, did you stop at that stop sign? Mm-hmm. And he's asking that wanting yes or no. Right. This man is answering in like a, a Chinese mode of thinking and speaking Mm. where it is about interrelating different ideas. So he starts talking about his driving record Mm -hmm. and these other things. Police officer wanted a yes or no is getting upset, Mm -hmm. repeats the question, you know, and I forget the exact phrasing, but it's like, you know, you didn't stop at that stop sign, right? Or whatever. Mm. Um, And so then in a panic, because now this, police officer is getting more aggressive. He says, no, which within Chinese sentence structure would be, no, I didn't. Or yeah, says, or like, says, yeah, I, he's trying to say I stopped and the other guy. Yes. Was. 
but he's giving a yes or no answer, but within, I think says like, yes, because within the Chinese construction, it would be, or no, maybe it is no. Whatever. Yeah. It's like, you didn't stop yeah. or whatever. Uh, and then says no, because no would be no, I didn't. There's like a agreement that's happening there between the no and the didn't. Yeah. Whereas the officer would expect yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they're going around talking to lots of people. People are giving different perspectives. It ends up being tied up into this case where there was someone wearing uh, waving a flag from the the um, the People's Republic of China. Um, and it's getting into the tensions between like that and then people who like support Taiwan and like old China who are immigrants here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, you know, there was some confrontation that happened there. Um, and a lot of it just ends up like essentially as the movie goes on, Mr. Chan becomes this like emblem of the difficulty in fully defining like a single uh, Chinese American culture mm-hmm. because you have different political opinions because some people are like still loyal to China and the like people's Republic. Mm-hmm. Some people are like loyal to an old idea of China. Mm-hmm. Some people are young and like no longer really have this sense of connection to it. Other people are like, Oh, a whole thing that defines us is that like everyone still it doesn't matter if you were born here, people will still view you as an immigrant in the US. Right. And so whether or not you want to, you must like to some degree associate yourself with the millions of people who live mm-hmm. in China. And it's, so it's just all of this like dialogue and so much of it is feels unscripted or like very loosely scripted, um, where it's just lots of people talking about like identity. Um and so, like, I don't have final takes on it because it's just like, mm. I'm not going to wade into this and give my opinion yeah. as a white person. Right. Other than the movie just fucking blew me away. Mm. It was an incredible movie. Um, especially just watching it and being like, damn, 1982. <laughs> you could just make some fucking movies. Yeah. You know? Like, it's in black and white because it was probably yeah. for the same reason that she's got to have it is mostly black and white. It's, it's like, cheap. You can afford it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just incredible. There was a great energy to all of it. Um, and I, I like how they kind of pull from like the American noir style of like voiceover going around interviewing people, but in order to like, in in some ways in order to embody this idea of this movie feels, even though it's doing this American noir style, is also doing something that feels Chinese in the way that they're defining it because it is about like all these different things that are interrelated and you like, you, you develop the meaning through lots of disparate things that you are trying to draw connections between. Um, And, you know, early on they sort of set that up of like the Chinese language is more built around this. And then they kind of tie that back in at the end too. Um, Yeah, it was fantastic. And I, I gave it a, uh, B because there's a really great shot of them going up some like, you know, really long stairs to like a restaurant or something. Hmm. Um, I feel like there are a few other stairs, but that was the big one. Well, should we talk about Ricky O? Yeah. This is dumb and fun. It's dumb and fun. All <laughs> right. Where can people find you online? <laughs> um, 
Do you want to like at least summarize? Yeah. Do you yeah. want to give me the five sentence summary of what happens in Rikia? Do you want to give me the the two sentence summary? Ricky, Honestly, Ricky goes to prison. He beats up a bunch of people. Some people get mad about that. He beats them up too. He escapes. There's five sentences for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, we. I don't know if you. Um, I have not listened to the last episode, so I don't know if you included any like, hey, next movie we're watching is Riccio. Yeah, I put in a thing that I basically said, we're doing this because we're going to have a busy week. And This is a busy fucking month. We're yeah, both it's... traveling. Yeah. Next week, we're doing a double feature. Yeah. Um, I don't have any other podcast I have to record next week. I know you do, but yeah. I don't, which is nice for me. Yeah, I love that for you. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, and then, like, I'm traveling. It It's literally, for me, this situation of all I have is the double feature next week because Connor's traveling. Then I'm traveling. Literally, d- the day he gets back, I leave. Uh-huh. Then you are traveling, like, a couple days after. I get yeah, back. you're going to get back, and then I'm going to leave, like, two days later. Yeah, we might... We might miss two weeks, or we might have a week and then, like, a little just catch up. We didn't watch a movie. There's going to be two weeks where we don't have, like, a movie for the podcast. I, um, like, I'm not bringing my laptop with me when I when I travel, and so, like, I will be limited to, like, whatever is on my tablet, and I think there's a way in Plex for me to, like, down, if I pay for it, I think there's a way for me to, like, download movies from my Plex on my laptop to my tablet, but I'm probably not going to pay for that. So if I watch movies, it will be limited to like what's on HBO Max less than there used to be. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't I didn't go into the details of like us traveling and everything, but I was just like, yeah, we're going to be a long month. We don't want to have one that we're like going to have to have smart opinions about. We just just... want a dumb fun movie. And Ricky, you suggested RoboCop, and that also would have been fun. But there's yeah. more going on in RoboCop to talk about, yeah, than this, which very similar to Slumber Party Massacre too. Well, so it's pretty obvious the like whatever themes are happening in there, and it's mostly about cool practical effect gore. Here was the thought process. I said RoboCop because I was like, oh, I just want to watch something fun, and then I said. Uh, we don't have to do RoboCop. We could do something else. What else could we do? Oh, we could do some like V Cinema stuff. Like you pick out some V Cinema thing. Yeah. And then you said Ricky O, which like is not V Cinema, but like if you like V Cinema, you'll in, like Ricky O. In my broad brain of like what I mean when I say V Cinema sicko. Yeah. Ricky O is kind of in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, even if it's not like narrow definition V cinema. Anyway, so if people are not familiar, this is a film from 1991. Um, oh, I also warned that it's pretty gratuitous, but it's, um, but it's goofy. Content warning: There's a lot of gore, um, but it's really silly. But if you're bothered by gore, um, there's like. There's a if you're bothered by gore generally, there's a lot of scene. There's a lot of it. If you're not usually bothered by gore like I am, there was one scene that still got to me. I won't describe it here. It's like 
arm stuff that's really gross. Yeah. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. The thing, the big thing is, like, movies like this, in part, are worse if you look away from the screen. Which, yes. like, feels wrong. Yes. Like, that watching it, but you beginning to see it and looking away immediately, your brain is going to, like, fill, fill in. in, like, this realistic detail and horror. Which is not there. Whereas if you just look at it, you're like, that is so obviously a dumb, weird doll or yeah. whatever. So the other <laughs> other content warning that this is a thing that I know some people are bothered by. There's a whole website dedicated to this. Um, a dog gets punched in half. <laughs> I know some people are bothered by animal death yeah. in a movie. Um, and there's like, <laughs> I normally... I understand, and I would absolutely tell somebody, oh, yeah, so the dog dies. But it's weird to talk about in this movie because it's like I feel obligated to say, oh, yeah, a dog gets punched in half. But also, a dog gets punched in half? It's kind of funny. I'm sorry. It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Most of this movie to me is just kind of funny. Yeah. And just, like, fun seeing the practical effects. And some of them end up being, like, pretty impressive where I'm like, whoa, they, like, really yeah. sold that one. And there's other ones where it's just like... You know, like, oh, they just, like, threw a doll on top of some nails. Yeah. And it's so, so obvious, like, if you look at the screen at all. <laughs> the the plot's... It's still fun, but... The plot such as it is, is the plot such as it is, is that this guy goes to prison. Um, the, Something that is revealed, like, three quarters of the way into the movie is that he goes to prison because his girlfriend... <laughs> his girlfriend saw people doing drugs... They tried to rough her up so she wouldn't talk, and she ran away and fell off a building and died. Ricky then goes to kill a drug dealer in revenge. Yeah. That Where the movie starts is, he goes to prison, he doesn't like being in prison, he beats up some guys. People don't like that he's beating up guys, and so, like, not the warden, but, like, the, the main guard guy who's like the boss, he gets involved and he's like, I'm going to take care of this Ricky guy. Um, and Ricky beats up all his goons. And so then the yeah. warden comes back. And at some point when the warden shows up, we introduce a plot line about this is when it's revealed that Ricky hates drugs and he burns down some like poppy greenhouses, basically. Yeah. Because um, the- this movie is very um, like direct and explicit about like... Just people saying, like, oh, you're messing up here because too many people are dying. Don't you know that, like, prison is just, like, a good, free, cheap, or, like, cheap labor, basically? There's, like, a a title card at the start that's, like, in 2001, capitalist countries have privatized everything, including prisons. Yeah. Uh, There's some line about prisons are, like, car parks, you know? Yeah, where they're, like, branded and, like have franchises or whatever. And so the movie's very explicit about like it's it's hatred of like people people are put in prison yeah. so that they can create cheap labor. That cheap labor creates bad societal conditions that produce more people who go to prison. That's like the movie is very explicitly about that. It doesn't matter because what you're here for is that at the very end there's gonna be a guy who turns into a big Frankenstein monster and Ricky's gonna put him into a meat grinder. 
Yeah. <laughs> After like punching him multiple, which he does many times, he will punch people like through their body in He'll various ways. He'll punch them through their body and there will be like a Doom 2 super shotgun sound effect. This movie predates Doom 2, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. There's also the part uh, where the the like ceiling lowers and then when it like <laughs> finally hits the ground, they play like a what's essentially just like a... Y- you like got an item or you like solved a puzzle. Yeah. And like a, a Zelda game. Yeah. Um, it's just a hoot. Yeah. It's just it, the, 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 from the reputation of this movie, I knew it was, I knew it was like a gory movie that I thought it was going to be like a little more like the martial arts movies that I gravitate to a lot are the ones that are like, ah, look at the, like, you know, mastery of this performer. I don't think that's what this movie is selling you about. I think this movie is selling you strictly on gore. I don't think the fights are like that great. It's just that there's a lot of gore that makes it so silly and fun. Um, And especially for like, if you're just a person like me, who's just watched a lot of like horror movies and other shit. Yeah. Like I can see how this would really get to some people, but at a certain point you just, You've become so aware of the craft yeah, that you, like, are no longer in any way suspending any disbelief. And so it's either just, oh, that was, like, really silly and fun. I can plainly see where, how that happened. Or you're like, oh, I wonder what they did to do that one. Yeah. You know? But, like, all of them, you're just, like, thinking about how they make these practical effects. Right. Um, I, um... There's a story. My, my favorite one is where he just like, it's like front. He he punches multiple people's heads off. But there's one that's like, he like, punches a guy from yeah, the side. Yeah, from the side, and it's like basically jaw up. Yeah. yeah, my favorite. My favorite was the flip of that, I guess, where he uppercuts a dude through his jaw, and so like his entire like jaw is removed, but then the rest of his face is there. I thought that one was yeah. really good. And then the guy has to continue to be like alive and as a character and acting. And so you can't just like have a guy missing his jaw and so they just like put some red stuff on his face. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like all of it is so silly, but that's what makes it fun to me. It's so it's that's why I like it. It's just fun. It's just yeah. a lot of fun. Um like I was saying while we were watching it, part of what's strange, I guess, about this movie is like now we just live in a world where if you want to watch Rikio, like I'm surprised Arrow doesn't have it. I think I said this mm-hmm. on the little uh, like pickup that I recorded. Um, I think the reason is just that 88 Films has it mm-hmm. um, and they don't have like a streaming service. Mm-hmm. They just put out Blu-rays um, but and they basically just do martial arts stuff. Um, but since they're also a UK company, which like Arrow is based there, I could see how they're like not trying to just grab each other's stuff all the time. Um, but like, cause this just feels like something that would be on Arrow now, but it's like, you can, yeah, like you could get the Blu-ray or you can just find it online. It's Mm -hmm. out there. That's how I got it. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like in that, in this world, like the mystique of this movie is lost. Yeah. Whereas when I first heard about this and first saw it, it was like, there's lots of other extreme movies like cannibal Holocaust and stuff that gets talked about. And so much of it is like, you hear the rumors of it and how like shocking and like 
you know, intense and over the top and like, right. um, how hyper violent it is. And all of it kind of just ends up being like, like you end up watching it and you're like, that just was not what the hype was. Yeah. Um, this is like, this is like one step removed from being an evil dead riff. You know? Yeah. Um, like this was the first movie that I distinctly remember just seeing um, as a kid. Not like a kid kid, but like I think we ended up getting a copy at some point in like high school or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and having it had like having it had been I don't know how I'm trying to say this. It had been talked up so, so much to me. Yeah. Um, and I watched it and it was like the f- it was like a big moment for me where I just realized that like movies are just people like doing this stuff. Right. And sometimes some of the stuff that's going to be the most like over the top is just going to be people having fun doing it. You literally just asked to come in, Lem. Cat behavior. This isn't even that long of a recording. Anyway. Um, yeah, it was just, yeah, I like, like it was one of those big moments where I just realized the like mythos that happens around movies is often not, the reality of a movie like you just sit down and watch a movie and it's a different experience than like what gets sold to you i had more fun yeah i had a a similar experience not quite the same where um i had heard of this movie maybe not as like oh it's so extreme and so violent uh because i was hearing about this movie when i was hanging out um on forums as a teen and so I would I saw like a YouTube clip of like the bathroom fight scene from very early on in this movie. And it was like oh, you got to see this. It's the most like over the top, most like gory, but the people talking about it were like gory in the same way that Evil Dead, like funny gory, yeah. you know. Um <clears throat> you have to see it and it's like it was interesting to see in some ways that was like that is what the movie is. Um, in some ways, like, I don't even think it's as, like... This movie is sold to me as, like, so totally out of left field. No one's ever made a movie like this. And I'm like, I don't know. People make movies like this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> or at least they used to. <laughs> the other thing I was thinking just now around mm. this... When I first watched this, I think it was a VHS. Mm-hmm. And I still kind of laughed at it. But also, like, my memory of it until I watched it this time was that the effects seemed more real. Right. And I'm like, makes sense. how much of that is VHS and how much of that is just, like, I've just seen so many more practical effects now. Yeah. Um, but, like, part of me was wondering, like, is some of the, the mystique that exists around some of this V-Cinema stuff, like, is part of the reason why... Again, I don't have the statistics here. I could be wrong. I've seen multiple places say this movie did better in the West than it did in, like, China and Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Is some of that that there, some people saw it in theaters and they're like, that was goofy. Like, seeing it in theaters gave people a different impression of what it was so that even when they got the VHS, they'd already heard about it being like, yeah. oh, there's just some of these, like, ridiculous special effects. It's, like, really over the top. Yeah. 
Whereas in the West, we just kind of always had the VHS. Like, I don't know how many screenings there were of this. Right. Certainly, I wasn't hearing about screenings of it. Yeah. It was, oh, you can find a VHS, and it's just, like, hyper-violent, whatever. Like, 91 is too early for, like, the rising tide of, like, Jackie Chan and Crouching Tiger to, like... Yeah. Bring stuff like Ricky O to, like, anybody anywhere other than Blockbuster. You know? Yeah. Like, um, something that I was thinking about, actually, um, too, was, like, I was sold this movie as so over the top and so funny. And I guess something that I was thinking about a little bit is, like, I think of the way that, like, uh, I like this movie a lot. I think of the way that, like, a Jackie Chan movie moves through, like, eight different modes where it's melodrama, comedy, action, action comedy, action melodrama, comedy melodrama. Like, it's like... Like, Police Story is a different movie in every scene in some ways. Yeah. Whereas, as Ricky O is giving you... You signed up for gory martial arts. You are going to get gory martial arts from start to finish. Occasionally, there will be a moment to slow down and breathe. That's about all you're going to get. There's no, like, pathos in any of it. None of these people are, like, good actors. I don't think they're particularly good, like, on-screen performers. Um, To where, like, in some ways it makes it, like, less over the top than some of the other stuff. Like, like Dragon Inn, similarly, is a movie that, like, Dragon Inn is just doing, like, a hundred different things in the same way that, like, you know, Police Story would be. And this movie is, like, not doing those things. This movie is doing one thing very well. I like it a lot. I would not recommend it in the same way that I would recommend, like, other, like, of my favorite, like, martial arts movies. Yeah. You know? It just is, like, not... This is not emblematic of, like, some of the stuff that I love about this genre. I really had a great time with this movie. This this is emblematic of some of, some of what I love about slashers. Yeah. And, like, Splatterfest movies. Yeah. But not Kung Fu movies. Yeah. Nothing um, wrong with that. None of this yeah. is me slighting this movie. Like, in my mind, I think of this more as, like, a Splatterfest movie mm-hmm. than... Like it's just it for me it's like a splatterfest movie that it's just using like the texture of a kung fu movie to to like right. stage its special effects right. rather than like slasher it's a killer yeah like one killer killing a bunch of people there's there's a slasher but he is the protagonist <laughs> yeah and also other people have his same powers yes I think that's part of what makes this yeah. fun to me compared to like the the formula of the slasher uh-huh. is that it's like oh, okay you still kind of know he's probably not gonna like lose in the movie that's the story of him yeah but like there's a certain amount of um you just you watch it and you're like oh what's this person gonna do like who you know I was watching this too being like thinking a little bit of Berserk because it's what I'm reading, but, like, there's a certain, like, shonen anime vibe to some of this. Mm. There's a part... There's, like, the femboy villain who mm. shows up. Mm. Um, 
Or is maybe supposed to be a woman? I think it's just a femboy. I think it's a femboy. Because everybody else in this movie is a dude. Yeah, and he's in the men's prison. Yeah. Um. But, and it has just, like, this, like, giant, like, huge lackey, and then this, like, small little lackey. And I was just like, this is just, like, Dragon Ball. Like You know what I thought of just now while we've been villain talking? Villain vibes, yeah. Was Scott Pilgrim. Because Scott Pilgrim just exists in this sort of fantasy where seemingly everybody could have, like, Dragon Ball, Naruto, vague superpowers. It's they're kind of playing fast and loose. I'm talking both about the film and the book. Like, yeah, like you know, you don't have. There's no training montages in Scott Pilgrim. People just are able to do these superheroic things. You know, and Rikio almost feels the same. Like, oh, Ricky has superpowers. Why? I, he trained in a graveyard one time. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. He knows this kung fu style where he's like basically immortal. And anybody who is capable of fighting becomes capable of like punching a man's jaw off or punching a dog in half. Yeah. <laughs> or um, like becoming a big Frankenstein monster. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was also because I was laughing because I was already kind of thinking because. To me, so much of what, like, the extreme violence that happens in Berserk, in my mind, I'm just seeing it in the same, mm-hmm. like, schlocky horror mode, rather than, because um, the other things that I think of around the time that I watched Rikio was, like, Legend of the Overfiend and Ninja Scroll. Mm-hmm. And by virtue of being animation, those ones, they didn't have the same effect as when I watched this, and I had a certain cur- curtain dropping, oh... Like, I'm not suspending disbelief in the same way when I'm watching this. I'm beginning to just laugh at, like, and and get enjoyment and uh, delight in, like, how practical effects are done. Yeah. Um, in a way that, like, I can now, now that I've watched more, like, live action movies that do these practical effects, I've begun, begun to, like, look at animation in that way and be like, oh, this is all just drawn. Right. Like they're just like doing these things and it's sort of over the top. Um, And so Berserk has a certain similar mode of just like hyper violence where Guts will just, you know, cut some demon dogs in half with his giant sword or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I laughed when the, the, you know, warden uh, does the, the like Berserk, you know, right. <laughs> villain turns into my larger form yeah. where I become like more monstrous and huge. Um, <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then it's still using some of the same effects, but like, you can't just cut this person in half in the same way. You right. can't just punch a hole through his stomach in the same way that you can other people. Yeah. But you can figure out how to then use the like environment as well as that to like finally get him into a situation where you can kill him, which is just <laughs> such a like guts fighting one of these yeah, exactly. monsters in Berserk. Thing this, is, this is how Berserk. Where, yeah. I, when you brought this up, Berserk has so many like more, especially now I'm starting to get JRPG party. Um, right now I'm just like, Luca is great. I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get more of her, but she's great. Um, but whereas this is like, I don't, all the characters are like one eye. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, 
when you brought this up while we were watching the movie, I sort of rolled my eyes at you, but I had also actually thought the same thing. Like around this, like around the time you said it, I was like, I can kind of see how you get from, yeah. from here to berserk, but I was not going to like, once you said it, I was like, well, I'm going to, you roll my eyes and <laughs> I mean Berserk is better than this. Also it's way longer, which in some ways makes it more difficult for me. But yeah. If I had to if I had to watch this like this movie continue on for the length that Berserk oh. I've had to read, I would no. fucking hate no, this no, movie. No, no, no. This movie does not <laughs> uh this movie cannot sustain that. Yeah. How do you it's to some degree, I'm just like, this is such a, um, like, I'm not just going to blanket recommend this movie to people who know that they don't like gore. Right. But there is a part of me that's just like, if you have like some tolerance for this, but kind of want to understand it more, I do feel like it's a good one just for like, yeah, there are some things that might make you queasy in this because they sell it better. But there are also moments where you... It, there's no how did they do that practical effect. You know how they did it. You could do it in your garage or whatever. Right. You know? Right. I don't have a garage, but I assume people listening to this do. How did you like the stairs in this movie? There are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. There's also, one. there's one that you get a bunch. There's one that you get a bunch. I'm feeling like an A plus, maybe. Yeah, it's not to S. It's not to S. There's a commitment to stairs that I appreciate. There's a couple good stair parts that I appreciate that I was like, oh, maybe it's going to get up to an S, but it just never quite crossed the line for me. None of them had, like, the full aesthetics that we want out of a stair. Yeah, shot. yeah. He, like, falls down the stairs and then gets chopped in half or whatever. You know, yeah. it's just not quite what you're looking for. Yeah. Um... We have questions that are definitely about Ricky. Okay. Um, from enemy of the podcast, Joel. Because uh, friend of the podcast is someone who shows up. Enemy of the podcast is... Um, someone who repeatedly torments us with questions. <laughs> Joel writes two things. One, can you please explain the plot of Inception to me? I'm not that smart and found it hard to follow. You want to take this one? Um... So the the movie Paprika uh-huh. is about this uh, person who can go into people's dreams. Okay, and uh, he saw it and was like, "What if I did that?" But they're like, "I'm American, so it's got to specifically be like a special agent force or a like a James Bond." Yeah, like a James Bond, or maybe like a Oceans. Yeah, thing. Not nearly as charismatic as Oceans, but yes. Yeah. Um, and so they're going to go into dreams, but then they go through layers of dreams and time slows down as they go deeper in. Uh-huh. And since this guy's an agent, um, they just go and they solve whatever dream-based crime thing they're trying to do. Yeah. And then this guy's an agent, but works in dreams all the time. And so, and he's got a wife and kid or whatever, but maybe he lost them. Stuff's ambiguous. Maybe something bad happened there, but and he has this little. Everybody has a memento that they do where they will. That, like, no, that's a different movie. They have like a little same director, so yeah. I understand. They have. A he little, also directed uh, uh, the Prestige. Yeah, they have a little thing that they found out about their dreams, where like, oh, if I flip this coin in my dreams, it'll always come up heads. 
but in the real world it'll be heads or tails or whatever. And Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And he has a top, and in the dream it will just continue to spin. Not a fun top, but like the toys <laughs> that spin. He doesn't have someone who tops him. That would be a much better movie. Um and at the end, he spins it and then goes to his wife and kids. And then it cuts before if you see if it stops spinning or not. Uh-huh. And people are like, oh, is it a dreamer or not? not. Oh, I don't understand this ending. What's go-? He doesn't care. It doesn't matter. It, it does. It's probably a dream because otherwise there's no sad poignancy to the fact that he doesn't care that it's not his wife and kids because he just wants to dream of his wife and kids more than he actually wants to be a good dad and husband. Mm. So that's Inception. That's a more... You describing the ending of Inception there makes it sound more interesting than it is. (laughs) The thing is that there is one thing that can be slightly like, oh yeah, he doesn't really care. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like, it's probably a dream. Mm-hmm. Everything else I know about this man, it is probably a dream. And he is a horrible, wretched man who doesn't care that it's a dream. Because he I... would rather live in the dream where his wife and kids still love him. Um, so I, I agree with you that I think it's a dream because it's like a reflection of him. I just think that ascribing it to him being a horrible, wretched man makes it sound like the movie sort of passes judgment on him, which is not what happens. The movie is just sort of blank and affectless. <laughs> yeah, and in, not in an interesting way. No. But he is a... Just... If you, like... He's just a horrible, wretched man. Anyway. But then people will be like, oh, is it a dreamer or not? Oh, what's going And it's just like... The whole point is that it doesn't matter. And that's probably a dream and he doesn't care. The whole point is that he doesn't care if it's a dream or not. Seeing the list of nominees on the year that Face Off could have won the Oscar for Best Picture, should the Academy go back on its decision? So, that year, Titanic won. Um, Other nominees include As Good As It Gets, um, The Full Monty, Goodwill Hunting, and L.A. Confidential. I've not seen all these movies. Yeah, I I, believe, I have. I don't remember all these very well. I believe the only movie I've seen here is Goodwill Hunting, um, which I'm I have a fondness for. I know it's like I don't know. I think it's passe to like Goodwill Hunting in 2022. I'm not like oh my god that movie's amazing, but I'm like I I, I like that movie just fine. Um, Face Off's better than Goodwill Hunting, so at the very yeah. least, you can take Goodwill Hunting off this list and give. Give Face Off the nod. The Full Monty is a fine movie. I think Face Off is better. Mm-hmm. Um, L.A. Confidential, I don't remember that well enough to make a clear judgment here. I don't... Um, as good as it gets, I know I've seen and I could not at this moment tell. Because it's one of those titles that is not descriptive enough for me no. to remember which movie this is. This is blurring together with that um, The Bucket List. And A Few Good Men in My Head, which are both movies with Jack Nicholson. I don't know that this is a movie with Jack Nicholson, but the title is just, like, messing with me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Nothing was Ti- gonna... Titanic is a good movie. Nothing was going to beat Titanic. Yeah. It was critically beloved. It was the most successful movie of all time in its day. And I don't think Face Off should have beat Titanic. Yeah. I'm not saying... I, okay, 
maybe I will watch Titanic one of these days and I'll be like, Face Off's a way better movie than Titanic. There's no, there's no universe where like Face Off wins Best Picture over Titanic. I'm just saying that Face Off is a better movie than some of the other movies that got the nomination. You know? Yeah. Part of what's what's incredible to me about Titanic is it was such a huge hit, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of just a mom movie. Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful about it. Yeah. It's... Because um... you're not going to get Mamma Mia, like, winning an Oscar. Yeah. Being one of the first movies to make a billion dollars. Yeah. The, the fact, first movie. The fact that you have a mom movie that's for your mom... To go and think about how it would be hot to have sex with Leonardo DiCaprio. Or and Billy then, Zane. Yeah, or Billy Zane. And then cry about lost love. Mm-hmm. And then have everybody want to go and see it because also, like, a ship crashes and there's, like, a guy... Speaking of of kind of, like, a, a man falls off the back while it's sinking and gets cut in half by the giant propeller on the back. <laughs> it's great. I, it's like much more from afar than a movie like Rikio would ever, ever dream of. They're going to show you the guts coming out. and If I were Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, I would be mad to this day that I had the misfortune to come out the same year as um, Titanic, because I feel like almost any other year in the 90s, Goodwill Hunting wins Best Picture in a walk. I, I'm not going to, like, yeah. go through and prove that, but, like, Goodwill Hunting, regardless of what you think of it, is, like, so perfectly crafted for what the Oscars yeah. reward, and you just, unfortunately, you happen to come out the same year that Titanic won. <laughs> yeah. And you you just can't compete with that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just genuinely... It's been a while since I've watched Titanic. Just genuinely don't think that Face Off should have won over it. Yeah. Just, and some of this is just like, what is the Oscars? Mm-hmm. You know? How much do I want to like challenge what it is? There's areas that I want to push and challenge on it. Face Off is not the movie that I want to like yeah. really champion in that way where I'm going to say it should have beat Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. What I I would much rather be like a weirdo being like, no, the killer should have won Best Picture. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the type of person I want to be more than like face off this like American weird production, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think Ooh. that's it. Yeah. Um, where can people find you online? Um, you can find me at Fox Mom Nia on Twitter or co-host. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also follow me at FoxMomnia on Letterboxd and see my yeah. reviews, of, well, my ratings of things. Yeah. I very rarely write reviews. When I do, it's a joke. Yes. Where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter, at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host, at autumnal. You can go to exportodd.io, and that'll take you to the Patreon page for this podcast network. And on that Patreon page, we have links to all the free feeds. So go ahead and if you have friends who really like Ricky O, send them this podcast. I don't know. I feel like we were like harsher on Ricky O than I meant to be, even though I really enjoyed the movie. So send them a different episode. Anyway. <laughs> I don't feel like we were that harsh. It's just 
like it is it is what it is. Like yeah, it's a schlocky horror fest, we like cho- a schlocky like splatter fest. <laughs> we chose the movie that we knew we wouldn't have to talk about for a long time, and lo, we did not talk about it for a long time. If you think that Rikio is saying really smart things right in and not as a bit, yeah, I know some of you not as a bit. <laughs> if you actually legitimately think it's saying really smart things, I want to hear. I don't want your jokes about how you you're joking that you think it says smart things. Um, I wrote an ending for this movie in my head that was saying a smarter thing than what the movie said, which is that I thought that he was going to defeat the warden and then he was going to be like, and now we're flipping the script and all of us are going to be the prison guards and all the prison guards will be the prisoners now. I yeah. thought that's what was going to happen, but he just escaped prison, which is a better ending. I just thought the thing that I had was a smarter ending <laughs> because it's more cynical. And I guess I th- associate yeah. cynicism with being smart. Um, that probably says more about me than it does about the film. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to call out two things here mm-hmm. before we fully wrap this stuff. Which is one, go listen to Pondering Bhutan. Yeah, I was going to say, on that Patreon page, free feeds to the podcasts, or give us a dollar a month, you can get this podcast early. You can get Gotham City Limits early. You can get Pondering Bhutan early. You can get other stuff. Bag End Book Club early. Um, so, did you say Hot Singles? I did not say Hot Singles. Hot Singles early. All that in one feed. $5 a month gets you Pop Town Funk, a podcast where my wife and I uh, watch things like Golden Girls and The A-Team. I don't know why we keep rolling so much old television, but we're going to roll with it. You know why. Why? Because you're rolling Funko Pops. I guess so. I'm surprised by the number of Funko Pops that are television show from the 70s. Have you seen the men who collect Funko Pops? Uh, that was that uh, George Clooney movie from like 2010, right? <laughs> Um, some men who stare at goats joke yeah. for you. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say yes. is, so on Ghost Divers at the time that we're recording this, this is literally the day that the question bucket for Bacchano came out. So when you hear this, you know, it's either recently came out or like a week ago. But um, then we're doing Serial Experiments Lane. Yeah. And we've recorded the, because... Yeah. We're changing eventually how Ghost Divers works, but it's a gradual process. Yes. So right now we record a fair amount in advance. So we've recorded all of the discussion and everything. Yeah. Um, a small little preview. Autumn says it's mid. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I say that? I guess you'll go have to listen. You'll have to go listen to the next three episodes of Ghost Divers to find out. Yeah. But people should listen to that because you're on it. I was kind of saying it's mid to be inflammatory, but as I have sat with my feelings about Lane, I do just kind of think Lane is mid. The aesthetics are still on point, though. Yeah, sure. It looks better than every other anime of its decade, but, like, the story, I don't, I don't it just didn't do anything for me. Yeah. I mean, it made me want to play Persona 2, so. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, what are we watching next time? Oh, yeah. So we are doing a double feature. Yeah. So we're going to watch Dead or Alive and Dead or Alive 2 Birds. Uh, These are the uh, Mike Takashi films. 
Uh, I clarify that because they are not the live-action movies based on the video game series. I believe these are on Arrow. I know Arrow distributes Blu-rays of them. And the last time I looked, they were on Arrow, but I have not looked in like a month or two, so, you know. Um, There's also a third one, which if people want to watch, once they've seen the other two, they can. But um, I don't like it as much. That three movies is too many for one week. Yeah, three movies is too many for one week, especially because we're getting a guest on to join us. Mostly just because I want to subject M to these movies. So. <laughs> um, but some content warnings, uh, not quite as extreme of violence, but some content that might honestly, like, in terms of, like, what is happening, some stuff might actually be more upsetting, but the, like, actual depiction of gore in this is not, mm-hmm. uh, in the first one, is not to the level as... Of, like, Rikio. Uh, it's not as hyper-violent. Uh, but there are some, like, upsetting things that happen. Because it's specifically... The first one in particular is, like, talking about the genre of, like, exploitation mm. cinema that would be direct to video um, in Japan around, like, Yakuza movies. Where you're, like, seeing horrible things happen to women sometimes. And yeah. Stuff. Um, the second movie is... I think a little bit more lighthearted, but there might be some stuff in there too, but I just want to give a little bit of a warning. Yeah, totally. I think that this is like a, it's a very brief shot. Um, but there's like bestiality that happens, uh-huh. uh, as well as people wrestling in a, um, bathtub of poop <laughs> in like bikinis. So, mm-hmm. Um, those are my two biggest content warnings. For Someone it, watched that in 1999, and it really just awoke a part awoke a part of themselves. Yeah, I was not thinking of it that way, but yeah, somebody just saw that and was like, "Oh, I have a thing now." Yeah, <laughs> I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. <laughs> um, but I mean, part of it is that Dead or Alive Two Birds is one of my favorite movies. Um, but I just feel like experientially you need to see the first one first and like come to birds being like okay this is a sequel to that well let's get out of here yeah okokoro is real okokoro is real Thank you.
the goose is dead, the bats have left the bell tower, the victims have been bled, red velvet lines, the black box, Bella the goose is dead.
What percentage of people at the Brandy Carlisle concert tomorrow do you think are going to be TERFs? Um, so I don't really go to Pride in Chicago anymore. Uh-huh. Like when I first came out that first year or two, maybe I went. Uh-huh. Um, and one, it's just like loud and there's lots of people, which now there's a pandemic and like, no thanks. Yeah. I'm just... We're just not loud and lots of people type people. Yeah. We'll we'll put up with it. Like for a I'm kind of anxious about this Randy Carlisle concert, but yeah. like it's a, it's at least like a show and it's an outdoor venue. Yes. Is really if this was indoor, we probably if this was going. an indoor venue, we would not be going. I'm apprehensive about going to an outdoor venue. Yeah. And I just got my second booster. Yeah. And two I've weeks had a, ago, I've had two boosters too. Yeah. Um. But no. So, uh, but, so I have some friends who were more recently out, um, and they wanted to go to Pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this was like the year before the pandemic. Um, and I've I w- never been to a Pride parade. Yeah. So I, I went with them and didn't have that great of a time, but also people had put some like, I'm sure probably lesbian turfs, but maybe just straight up like transphobic assholes. Who mm-hmm. knows? Uh, but they put up like stickers on some of the, the light poles that was like, uh, lesbian is XXXX or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. cause you know how often you're oh. checking people's chromosomes before you have sex with them. Yeah. That's what I'm doing is I'm, yeah. <laughs> That's how that's how people's like sexual orientation is determined, is purely based on chromosomes. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's how things work. Yeah, um, and chromosomes are the only determining factor in sex, and not that really the chromosomes that you have like when you're conceived set off a lot of other chromosomes that uh-huh. then activate a number of endocrine systems that can obviously get interrupted for all sorts of reasons, including having different chromosomes than just like the standard XX or XY, but can As- also be interrupted by just like other things like insensitivity just mm-hmm. within the body caused by other things. Yeah. Or for example, you just like take things that change the hormones that are in your body. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, you are like, if someone looks at your blood work, they are not going to look at your blood work and be like, that's whatever sex yeah. blood. They're going to see something else. Yeah. Because at that point you've changed what blood is like. Yeah. Yeah. And then it causes physiological changes that, is actually what the, sex is. The, anyway. The, the thing about TERFs. <laughs> but yeah, so those are up there. And whoever put those up there uh-huh. at Pride in 2019 or whatever, um, I'm sure they're also going to be at this concert. Yeah. But I don't know what percentage. But I yeah. know that they are going to be there. Yeah. So the other question I was going to ask is, like, what... What percentage of the people at the Brandy Carlisle concert are going to be lesbians, do you think? Yeah. That's like, we're in like the 90% territory, right? I assume. I feel like it's, it's going to be predominantly lesbian. It's going to be like... It, it's it's going to be, be over 50. It's going to be like almost exclusively women, I assume. Yeah. And it's going to be among those women, mostly queer women. Yeah. I, I said lesbian. I should have been more specific like queer women because i i know lots of bisexual women who like brandy carlisle yeah (laughs) 
what the real question here is what percentage of men there uh-huh do you think are going to be the boyfriends of bisexual women going to see the Brandy <laughs> Carlisle concert? Well, so the the last the last sort of question floating in my head. Mm. So we're going to this concert tomorrow. I work 8 a.m. the next day. And I mentioned to my boss, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to a concert on Saturday. And she was like, oh, well, I scheduled you super early. Do you want to, like, swap shifts so you're working later that day or something? And I was like, oh, no, no. I'm going to Brandy Carlisle. It's going to be all, like, white moms who want to be in bed by 11. <laughs> yeah, like, the the doors open at 5, I think. Yeah. And the show starts at 6.30. Like, the opener Although is... Although this a- seems like it's a little bit more common right now. Yeah. Because, um... Well, and that's going to be the opener that's on at yeah. 6.30, you know? Yeah. But, like, I don't so I think looking, Brandy's a, playing a four-hour set. There's, like, a kind of, ex- like, you know, experimental pop group from Japan that they're kind of, like, j poppy. but mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely some callbacks to, like, older city pop stuff, but they're also doing some stuff that's a little bit experimental. The name of that band is Chai, and I've been thinking about getting tickets, and they're doing it at the, uh, the conservatory in Chicago, mm-hmm. the Garfield Park Conservatory, which does have, like, some indoor spots, but it's, like, Massive greenhouses and stuff. Hmm. So I don't know if it's going to be in some place or if it's going to be like, I'm kind of curious to go just because I feel like there'll be a fun venue spot for them to be playing music as people who do like really poppy, but kind of weird music. Right. Um, but they're also, I think it starts at six 30. I was huh. like, huh? Um, yeah. Pre pandemic. Yeah. I never went to a concert where like the opener was on before eight, you know? But also, yeah. like, when I was going to concerts, because I didn't really go to a ton of concerts when I was living in St. Louis. When I was going to a ton of concerts was when I was living in Lawrence. And it was, like, it was, like, bars and, like, um, little concert halls that could have, like, let's say 200 people in there. Like, yeah. you know. Um, so... And it was all college students, so. so. Sorry to people. You hit record while I was still, like, yeah. pulling stuff up to put into their spreadsheet. So yeah, sorry totally. if you hear my, me typing, but this is just bullshit after Bella Gosey's dead. So. Yeah. Um, um, I, I'm positive I've gone to way more concerts than you. Oh, yeah. Even if I factor out, like, if I remove from that equation all the punk shows that I went to in high yeah, school, yeah, because yeah. that was You've literally been... a just... I don't even know what that building really... It was, like, kind of a community center vibe thing, mm-hmm. but... Here, I'll, I'll vamp while you type stuff. Yeah. I, despite being a music lover my whole life, um, I think mostly due to social anxiety um, that was tied up in, like, you know, nascent gender stuff that I couldn't articulate, have just never been much of a concert goer. I would say that pre-pandemic, I was going to, like... Somewhere between two and five concerts a year, most years, like, since I was, like, pretty young. Because my dad really, really, really enjoys live music. And so, like, when I was, I started going to see live music when I was, like, a lot younger than a lot of, a lot of people I know were like, oh, I didn't go to see my first concert till I was, like, 17. I'm like, what? Why? 
Yeah, I, that's I didn't weird... go to them regularly, but I I went to concerts as a kid. Yeah, like, I saw like Weird Al twice. I saw Bare Naked Ladies like three times. I saw my dad snuck me into my a first bar. concert was Black Hawk Down, I think, which is a country band. Uh, I came back around on the country after a long yeah. period of people can listen to the hot singles where I think we talked about. I think it was the Nico. It would make sense for it to be the Nico case one. I, I this was certainly not my first concert, but one of the early ones, like. A really early one um, would have been my dad sneaking me into a bar to go see They Might Be Giants when I was 13. Yeah. Um, I saw, like... But that would have been, like, I saw Bruce Springsteen when I was 12. Anyway, I could probably count on one hand how many concerts I went to in any given year pre-pandemic. Whereas I don't get the impression that that's your experience with live music. I get the impression that you saw a lot, considerably more than that. Yeah, you well, know. and it, it runs the gamut because, like, I saw, like, Ciaros multiple times. I saw Yonsi. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen, like, Seabear multiple times. I went to multiple music festivals. And at that point, it's just like... Yeah. I've never been to a music festival. Yeah. I mean, I can pull out my, my like, diary from when we went on our... Emily and I went on our honeymoon to... Um, Iceland Airwaves because I wrote down every single band that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so many. That's, I was looking through it once and that's when I was like, wait, I saw Charlie XCX concert before she'd released an album. Right. Aside from like SoundCloud or YouTube or like whatever, mm-hmm. you know, early stuff she was releasing that got record label attention. But like she hadn't like released anything on a label. Yeah. When she was there. It's it's been weird because, like, I've always liked going to see concerts, but, you know, high school, college, there was a lot of, like, social anxiety around it for me. And then, um, like, <clears throat> after college, there was, like, two years where I could have been going to concerts, but I was broke as hell because I'd just gotten out of college. Yeah. And then the pandemic started, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, I'm... My... I've t- I think I've told you my wildest concert story, which is Sleater Kinney. No. Um, so in high school, you know, years from figuring out gender stuff, but I was really into Sleater Kinney. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother and I went to, um, we had to like drive to another city in Michigan, but we went to a Sleater Kinney concert and this was like the concerts, um, after was it the woods or the wilderness was the title i forget which one one of them was no the idea. track and one of them was the i don't um, I, i've been listened to slater kenny to but not a ton yeah um and like we went like ready to just like fucking mosh and stuff which was not the vibe of the crowd <laughs> but because we weren't ready to that even though i was in high school and fully admitting to people know i was punk um so i was sick with like the flu or something. I should not have been going to the concert. Anyway. Oh no! Um, I was on Mucinex DM, and it. I have extremely low tolerance to dextromorphine or yeah. whatever. Um, like a normal dosage, which is just what I took. I was not doing it recreationally. I was just trying to like get through being sick at a concert. Mm-hmm. Um, a normal dosage can make me like dissociate. Right. Also, we got really drunk before we went into the venue because, of course, I'm not going to be drinking in there. Right. So we, like, parked. That's fucking expensive. We parked, we got drunk, and then we we went in. 
Um, well, and also because they're not going to sell it to me because I was like 16 or whatever. Oh, yeah, I guess that too. <laughs> or 17 or however old I was. Um, and so my brother and I just mosh mm-hmm. basically by ourselves <laughs> to the consternation <laughs> of everyone around us. We do get one guy who like comes over to like mosh with us. Mm. Um, and everyone else honestly just seems to like not be in it for, from my perspective, we were maybe being a little extra, but also it was a like riot girl band. And these people just like wanted to like stand around with their drinks and just nod. And it's just like, what are you doing? The people on stage are going fucking nuts right now. Like moving with like a cord attached to them, moving back and forth across, like from one end of the stage to the other. Right. Like, at least dance a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at least, like, scream along with the chorus. Do something. Bring some energy to yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so then I, I moshed so hard at the Sleater Kenny concert, and I was sick and drunk and took Mucinex, uh, that literally, so at the very end of the concert, at the end of the encore, the they like left their guitars, which are still, still like reverberating. They put them. So they were like pointing at the amps so that the, you'd get the feedback longer right, yeah. and walked off the stage. And the feedback was just like looping, but like slowly fading out. Uh-huh. And during that, like looping, slowly fading out. Oh no. I go blind. Oh no. <laughs> I lose my vision <laughs> at the end of the concert, which if it's going to happen at some point in this concert is the best point. You're right. So then my brother, like, gets me over to the bar, gets some water, I drink some water. It was just, like, a dehydration thing, so Mm. as I drank water, I could, Mm -hmm. I was able to see again. But my brother, unlike me, who could not legally drink in this establishment, my brother could, and he was also occasionally taking small breaks from moshing to, like, do shots. So he's just still (laughs) sloshed. Um, (laughs) And... Like our plan was basically just I think I think he had like a friend nearby, so we were gonna like sleep there. But it was basically just like sober up enough. I would I would be able to drive to the friend's house because I would hopefully be sober by then. And then sleep there. Mm. Anyway, uh he's still sloshed and the band is leaving and he shouts at them. My you know, I didn't transition yet, so my brother went blind dancing to your music. <laughs> Which is not a thing to shout at a band. So the security is just like pushing the band along. Like, move, move, move. But anytime I watch Portlandia, I just think my brother shouted at them about how I went blind dancing to their music. Um, much less raucous. Portlandia is not that good of a show, but I do think about... You did hear the story of the, the time I waited in line eight and a half hours for hot dogs. Yes. And I think about that like brunch village or whatever episode all the fucking time <laughs> because I lived that. It was like, just what listeners just find that episode. I know Portland is not that good, but mm-hmm. like find that one that was pretty to a T what the experience of waiting eight and a half hours in line for hot dogs is. <laughs> anyway, so you can, you can speak. <laughs> this is, this is not a wild story. This is just a weird story. Yeah. Um, I was young. I do not remember how young. I want to say like 11 or 12. My dad and I went to go see the Indigo Girls. Yeah. Um, 
And my dad made many jokes about, um, like, there being lesbians at the concert that I will not repeat here because I think they're insensitive. Yeah. Um, but not like when we joke about lesbians being yes. at Randy Carla. <laughs> but there were, it's an Indigo Girls concert. There were a lot of lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm young. And so my dad was making these jokes the whole time we're there. He's laughing to himself, basically. I'm young and I'm like laughing along because I feel like I'm supposed to in this situation. And we got home. I had to be like, why does I had to ask like my stepmom or my mom or something like, why does my dad associate lesbians in cargo shorts? Like, what is the correlation there? <laughs> like, what is the stereotype that's happening here? Because I didn't know. I was too young. <laughs> um, I was I'm too just... young to understand the re- the parking lot was full of Subarus for a reason. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking of the, do you know the, the Simpsons bit where uh, Homer goes to the lesbian bar? Mm, this is ringing a bell. Um, I forget what the like final joke is. It's like dawning on him, like something's something's wrong here, mm. and then realizes that like the fire exits aren't up to code. And oh it's just, yes, like, I've seen that. <laughs> Enjoy your death trap, ladies. <laughs> and then like leaves, and I was like, "What was her problem?" <laughs> my <laughs> okay, my dad wears cargo shirts and like button ups everywhere. Yeah. Um. He drives a Subaru. Um, The Subaru? (laughs) Um, Me thinking it would be neat to own a Subaru is one of the things that made me question my gender. (laughs) Um, And, um... I just really like the hatchback. (laughs) He he just really... My dad loves his dogs in a way that, like is bizarre not like oh it's weird how much he loves his dog i've just never met somebody who loves his dogs as intensely as my dad loves his dogs Mm -hmm. and all i'm saying is that my dad could pass for a lesbian if he needed to (laughs) that's what i'm saying (laughs) that if he were in some situation where he needed to convince somebody who was a lesbian i think he could do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) um this, we should start recording the actual episode soon yeah. because we are approaching, like, we just recorded a Pondering Bhutan line here <laughs> of just us goofing off while I've put in the two movies I've watched. Yeah. Um, but it did remind me. Where are the seven of, movies that I watched? So I, I had to come out to my parents twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time I did was through an email. After I like it came out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I sent an email just like ex- just laying things out. I did the same thing. Things. I did the same thing. My mom sent back an email saying, "You know, your dad's kind of like you." And then I was like, I thought about it for like months because we don't talk that often. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't quite months. We, we talked a little bit more back then. Um, then I talked to them again, and they just, like, had no... None of it sunk in. They didn't register any of it. Oh. And I had to come out to them again on the phone. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, I was like, 
oh, is this just about how, like, my mom worked all the time and didn't cook and didn't, like, care for us. And my dad just, like, took on some of those roles and that's all they got from it? (laughs) (laughs) Was me trying to explain the, like, part of why I'm coming out is that it's important to me that I'm a mom? (laughs) And they just got it as... Oh, yeah, your dad likes taking care of the kids and doing the dishes and cooking. My... <laughs> so I had sent an email to my parents because um, I couldn't... I, I couldn't do it. Like, you know, I just couldn't. Yeah. Um, And we had a brief phone call about it. I was like, okay, that went about as well as I could have expected. It wasn't until, like... The next time I saw my mom in person, that, like, stuff kind of, like, went a little sideways. And one of the things that happened in that conversation, and I'm sure I've told the story on a hot single somewhere. But one of the things that happened was my mom and my stepdad and I are sort of having a... I think in their mind, it's just a discussion of, of them being, like, curious about me being trans. In my mind, it was, like, an argument, kind of where I'm having to prove myself to them. Anyway, one of the things that my stepdad says is, well, I don't understand why you couldn't just be, like, a gay man. That makes sense to me in a way that, like, being a trans woman does not. And I was like, oh, believe me, I've tried. (laughs) And it was in that moment that I realized, I've never told my parents that I'm gay. (laughs) I I forgot... (laughs) You forgot that step. <laughs> I just forgot to tell them about that. And so <laughs> the color just drains out of my mom's face as she's like, oh no, my son is having sex with men. Because <laughs> I just didn't think to tell her. Just slipped my mind. <laughs> Truly, honestly, was not trying to be in the closet about that one because I knew it would be fine. So many of our relatives are like, like yeah. cisgender and gay. Yeah. <laughs> No, my my parents would have known what to do with me if I was Yes, gay. exactly. They maybe yeah. would have been upset for a little bit, but they would have, like, come around a lot easier than this has been for them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it would have been similar to one of the things that my mom first expressed to me, which was just like, oh, I'm just so worried because the, the world is so, like, hard for... For, yes. You know, and I think they would have had the same thing, but they would have understood everything else. Yes. Yes. You know? Yeah. I think they would have gotten past that feeling. A like little. my dead name in my family, we do two middle names. It's just like a weird German mm-hmm. thing that the German side of my family's done forever. Um, and um. Yeah, one of my middle names was the name of, like, a friend of the family who helped out. Because my dad got a divorce as a pastor, which was kind of a scandal, Mm -hmm. and helped out. But that friend, I think, was gay. Mm -hmm. So I was, like, named after a gay guy. (laughs) (laughs) One of my names. My first middle name. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, some additional things with my mom being like, oh, your dad's actually kind of like you in that, like... (laughs) thing is so once there was a conversation that like i forget exactly how explicitly it was stated but it was um kind of like implied that there's some secret about my dad that we might find out like when 
my parents die and we're like cleaning out the house or something. Okay. <laughs> that, you know, would be in some, it would be something in the closet is basically what was like conveyed to us. Mm-hmm. And this was like told to me when I was in like early high school or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and around that time, or no, when that happened, I had a memory from when I was a little kid, like elementary school age. And I went into the closet and I saw what I thought was like a plaid skirt, but on my dad's side of the closet mm-hmm. and not my mom's. And I asked about it and my mom was like, oh, that's a kilt. My mm-hmm. dad gave it to him mm-hmm. and explained to me like what kilts were. Right. Because uh, my mom's side of the family is like Irish, Scottish. Um, but then I was like, wait, was that a, <laughs> was that a skirt? Uh, is that the... The secret is that, like, we're going to find a bunch of women's clothing that my dad wears sometimes mm-hmm. as just, like, transvestite or whatever. So then after stuff got sorted out, I talked to my, my like, closest in age brother about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I did all these details. And my brother was like, oh, no, dad told me the secret once. He did cocaine in high school. <laughs> Or, like, college or something. And I was like, oh, okay. That's much less fun. Yeah, that's a lot less fun for me specifically. <laughs> we should probably start the podcast. Yeah. Or we could just do four and a half more minutes and it would be a Pondering Puja. <laughs> what are your feelings on chapter two of Puja? <laughs> oh, I thought it was still... There. It was right here the last yeah, time I was in this it, office. It has been there for a office. little bit. Office. But... This is an office. I pulled it out literally today because I needed to... I'm like, oh, I should read that before we have to record on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I hope you all enjoyed us telling weird stories. Yep. 